podcast number 13 here on The Founding Female, and today I wish to tell you about a man who once said, give me liberty or give me death. That's right, I'm talking about Patrick Henry. John Henry, who is Patrick Henry's father, was originally from Aberdeen, Shears, Scotland, where he attended King's College, University of Aberdeen, before emigrating to Virginia in the 1720s. He then married Sarah Winston Syme, who was a wealthy widow from a local prominent English family. Patrick Henry's uncle, who also shared the same name, was a minister until his death in 1777. Henry himself was born on the family farm Studley in Hanover County in Virginia on May 29, 1736. Until the age of 10, he went to the local school. Since there was no academy in the county, his father tutored him. He liked music and dancing and really enjoyed hunting. He became a clerk at the age of 15 for a local merchant and opened up a store with his older brother William a year later. It didn't do well. Religion played a huge part in Patrick Henry's life. Even though his father was staunchly Anglican, his mother would often take him to hear Presbyterian preachers. He remained a lifelong Anglican, but a minister, Samuel Davis, taught him that it's not enough to save the soul one should help to save society. He learned that oratory should reach the heart, not just persuade. In 1754, he married Sarah Shelton. They lived at Pine Slash Farm near Mechanicsville. It's also known as Prospect Hill. After the main house burnt down, Henry upped and moved to Hanover Tavern, run by his wife's father. There he would serve as a host and would entertain the guests by playing the fiddle. At the young age of 17, en route to attend the College of William and Mary, Thomas Jefferson stayed at the tavern. He wrote he had become well acquainted with Henry despite their six-year age gap. While working at the Hanover Tavern, he found time to study law. He has said it took him about one month. He applied for his lawyer's license in 1760 in the colonial capital of Williamsburg, Virginia. He passed in April of 1760 and then opened and practiced in the Hanover area. In the 1750s, droughts led to a rise in price of tobacco. In 1755 and 1758, the Virginia House of Burgesses elected lower house of the colonial legislature, passed two penny acts which allowed debts in tobacco to be paid at the rate of two pence per pound for a limited time. Several ministers petitioned the Board of Trade in London to overrule the Burgesses, and they did. Five of the clergymen brought suit for payback, known as Parsons Cause. Engaged as counsel by Maurice Paris Vestry for his hearing was Patrick Henry. Patrick's father was the judge. Maurice's counsel gave a speech, and Henry responded with a one-hour speech. Henry basically said any king who annulled good laws, such as the Two Penny Act, was a tyrant who forfeits all rights to his subjects' obedience. The other counsel accused Henry of treason, and Henry just continued on, and the judge, of course, never stopped him. The jury was out for a few minutes and returned to fixed damages at one penny. This made Henry a hero. After this, his popularity shot up greatly, and he added 164 new clients that year. Henry began to get a following thanks to being friendly and for him standing up for the liberties of the common people by way of speeches. Henry won a seat in the Burgesses after one of his client's brothers, who had his seat, resigned. He won the seat in May of 1765 and immediately left for Williamsburg since the session had already begun. Patrick was sworn into a session of the legislature on May 20th, and on May 28th, a ship arrived with an urgent letter. 
the Stamp Act had passed. So Henry introduced the Virginia Stamp Act resolves. It affirms that colonists have the same rights as Britons and that taxation should be exacted only by one's representatives. Edmund and Helen Morgan believe Henry acted as he saw the Stamp Act as both a threat to Virginians' rights, but also to advance himself politically. Unfortunately, there's no verbatim transcripts of Henry's speech to oppose the Stamp Act. But one man said Henry had called for the killing of King George III, and there were cries of treason. Another man who was standing with Thomas Jefferson said the trying moments which is decisive of a character. And both recalled Henry didn't waver. If this be treason, make the most of it. The first five re resolutions were adopted by the Burgesses and the other two were denied. In the late 1760s and early 1770s, Henry concentrated more with personal affairs. He moved his family to their new home in his Louisa County property in late 1765, and they lived there until 1769 when they returned to their Hanover County. His law practice was doing well until the court's royal authority closed in 1774. In 1769, he practiced before the General Court of Virginia in Williamsburg. Henry invested in frontier lands, the western part of Virginia, and also what is present-day West Virginia and Kentucky. In 1771, the income from the land deals enabled him to purchase Scotchtown, which was a large plantation in Hanover County. He purchased this from Dolly Madison's father, John Payne. As I do research, I find it incredible how all their lives just seem to be intertwined. At this time, Henry believed that conflict with England was inevitable. The Burgesses were together in 1774 when news came that Parliament voted to close the port of Boston because of the Boston Tea Party. So several of the Burgesses, including Henry, went to the Raleigh Tavern to formulate a response. George Mason, who joined the committee, commented that Henry took the lead. Those two held a close relationship until Mason's death in 1792. The first convention met in Williamsburg in the Chamber of Burgesses on August 1st. Lord Dunmore was absent and wouldn't be able to interfere. Since they were so divided, a major decision was the election of delegates to a Continental Congress in Philadelphia. As one of the seven delegates, Henry was chosen, tying in second place with George Washington. Both had three votes less than Peyton Randolph. Since Mount Vernon was close to Scotchtown, George invited Henry to stop there and ride on to him with Philadelphia, and Henry did. As stated in my previous podcast, his wife had postpartum depression after the birth of their sixth child and became mentally ill. After she died in 1775, Henry avoided all objects that reminded him of her and sold his Scotchtown home in 1777. Hanover County elected Henry as a delegate to the Second Virginia Convention. It was held in Richmond on March 20, 1775. Henry offered amendments to raise a militia independent of royal authority, realizing that conflict with Britain was inevitable. This is the statement he's most known for. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable and let it come. I repeat, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. 
Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God! I know what not course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death! When it was over, he plunged an ivory letter opener to his chest in imitation of the Roman patriot Cato the Younger. His speech carried that day, and the convention adopted his amendments. In 1790, Henry was in debt, and while still a lawyer, he didn't travel as much as he did in the late 60s. He sold his property in 1792 and moved with his family to Long Island Plantation in Campbell County. In 1794, he purchased Red Hill in Charlotte County. On March 4, 1799, he was elected delegate from Charlotte County and having no immediate session, he returned to Red Hill, never leaving again. He died of stomach cancer at his home on June 6, 1799. He was buried at Red Hill. Upon his death, the Virginia Gazette printed, as long as our rivers flow or mountains stand, Virginia will say to rising generations, imitate my Henry. Catch you next week on another episode of The Founding Female.